Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today I'm here with Young Yo, man, what's going on? You all right? <laughs> Seriously, born in Doncaster? Yes, man, Doncaster in the north of England. <laughs> and your parents are originally from there as well? Yes, man, my mum and dad are like born and raised there, like a couple generations and stuff, you know what I mean? You got into music at a really young age because of your grandfather, right? Yeah, man, my granddad was like massive influence on my life. He used to play like, he used to play tunes for me all the time when I was growing up, man. It was important to him and it made it so important to me, you know what I mean? Across the universe. Across the universe. You love that film? <laughs> I love that film, man. It's such a fucking good film. I love that. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Fuck, fuck, fuck. fuck. I'm joking. And your dad also, right? Super into music. Uh, my dad got me into like, bands like Oasis and the Arctic yeah. Monkeys and the Stone Roses. So they kind of really shaped like the attitude in music I was brought up around. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because kind of, my music, I just want it to be a kind of a movement and a, a way of thinking as, as well as just having catchy tunes, you know what I mean? Can you describe the performance you did when you were 12 at the Norton Working Men's Club? club. Yeah. I, it, was in, it was on a bingo PA. It's like, a, it's like where people, you know what bingo is? You have yeah. bingo here. And like people call it, so it was like the worst thing in the world. It sounded horrendous, but I was just jumping around. And then you were really, you started getting into acting, right? Like some Yeah, man, I did that. And I just, at the end of the day, whatever gave me an outlet to kind of, I always felt very like misunderstood and I had nowhere to put my energy in. People just didn't like that. Do you know what I mean? People mm -hmm. didn't like that I had this energy or opinions and stuff. And um, anything creative allowed me to almost get it out in a way that I couldn't normally you know what performances i just used to like be in musicals man i did mm -hmm. like west side story oh, wow. and stuff like that man i used to dance like be a bit of a twinkle toes <laughs> oh my god and you want to do acting in the future right? everyone's yeah. saying they're gonna i think so man. man i want to do films or something that'd be wicked mm -hmm. i'd love to do that and can you describe the trip that you had when you were 16 you were in spain when you got drunk for the first oh, time oh yeah bro, i remember been that drunk i tried to jump off a balcony and thought my mates had catch oh my me gosh. but they didn't so i smacked my face on the ground and lost my oh. tooth kind of a bit of a weird ordeal because i had no money to fix it so i went to this crazy <laughs> spanish dentist who like sawed my face back together it was pretty wild oh it's like a fake tooth that one yeah. <laughs> and did you realize from the onset that your whole life would be in music i wanted it to be man i just want like music was the thing that kind of implemented itself so heavily inside my heart and what, what age did you realize you had adhd well they knew pretty young um, and like a lot of my kind of teachers wanted to put me on medication for it you know yeah which was rough but i don't know i just embraced it and i was lucky because my mum was like nah i don't want him to numb his personality even though he's a little annoying little shit we love him so. <laughs> your, what are your parents careers um my mum is a stay-at-home mom and mm -hmm. My dad is works in guitar shop. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of crazy. So like, I guitars force upon me. Who are you more similar to? Their parents? I don't know, man. Everyone said I've got the smile of my mom, mm -hmm. and kind of my mom's got such a soft heart. But my dad's got kind of look. Look at that. It's like a clip. It's like a cockroach. Yeah. Uh, my, my dad's kind of got like a very northern attitude and he's really smart and streetwise so i don't know man i'd like to think i take the best from both my parents 
That'd be wicked. And do you have siblings? Two younger sisters. Oh. Izzy and Jem. Are they into music as well? Um, Isabel is, Jemima's absolutely not. Did you like school back then or you hated it? No, I liked it, man. I liked my friends and I liked kind of going there, but I didn't like the way older people or kind of teachers sometimes mm. would misunderstand me because I always had was very opinionated and I always had an opinion and I don't think people like to be confronted, especially by someone younger than them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is rough, mm -hmm. like, and that's what I encourage in my music. I encourage like, don't allow people to suppress your identity because it doesn't fit with their ideologies. Yeah. If you are who you are, and people are trying to stop you being who you are, then they're not meant to be in your life. So kind of keep the faith and trust, trust in your gut and what you feel like is the best way to be the best you. Mm, I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like the whole essence of what young blood is. You know. Mm -hmm. And now, what age did you start playing the circuit, like, performing? Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, man, I was playing, like, Donny, like, in bands and, co like, a co cover bands and shit. Yeah. Which is fun, like, can hear and see me. Mm. Um, in cover bands and stuff, but, like, nothing serious. And then what clicked to you that you wanted to be more of a solo artist? Just the idea of everyone always having an opinion about me and then I could just speak on my own. It was the first time, like... I don't know, man. Youngblood was a call out to my fan base. I was calling out to them, mm -hmm. and they heard me. I was calling out on my mm -hmm. own, and then they heard me. You know. Was it surprising because you've been doing for music for so long, and then with the Youngblood thing, it clicked with people so much quicker? Dude, it was crazy. It was like the first time I stopped giving a fuck what everyone else thought and just was purely myself. People started to listen because yeah. I believe genuine believe in life if it's real it'll resonate you know when you moved to london when you were 16 you were trying to do more of like pop thing or trying to get on the radio basically yeah man of course it was like i was conforming and changing myself to, to fit in what i believed was right and that's just a metaphor for what young blood is a direct backfire against yeah. don't change yourself don't conform to something that makes you a lesser version of yourself Mm -hmm. Don't be dilute squash. Don't yeah. be dilute juice. Don't be dilute cordial. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Be a hundred percent yourself because I believe that's how people that's how you'll be perceived as real in life. And if you're perceived as real in life then I think that's a pretty successful goal. Yeah. To be undoubtedly yourself forever. It's a pretty amazing achievement, you know? What would you say have been your style influences or influences for your music video? Because I feel like they're all shot into just... Uh, Marilyn Manson, Lady Gaga, yeah. Madonna, Kanye West, um, Arctic Monkeys, the, the, the Smiths, The Cure, The Beatles. Mm. And how did your song with Machine Gun Kelly come about? That was just a quick one, man. Kells mm. just texted me. Yeah. Kells just was like, alright Dom. Do you want to come do this song? I was like, fuck yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. I was like, of course I do. Mm -hmm. Joking. And then we just did it. It was just this nostalgic song about going, do you know what? There is something wrong with me in my head, but I'm okay with that. How do you realize it was the right time to sign a record deal? I came to LA with like 40 quid in my pocket. Oh my gosh. The right people came along and said that we don't want to change you, we just want to amplify your vision. And as soon as I heard that, it made me full up. I was like, fuck, man, someone wants to invest in me for me? <laughs> that blew my mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, they want to invest in me for me? That's crazy. And how did Black Hearts Club come about? That was like a fan made thing. I just literally got these tattoos, and then everyone in the fan base 
called it that. They called themselves the Black Arts Club. That came from them. And that just kind of resembles what Youngblood is as a community. You know what I mean? It's, it's not me and them. It's us. And if it ever stops being us and becomes me and them, then it's fucked. How would you say your music has changed compared to the early songs you've made? It's always developing. Mm -hmm. I just think I'm more fearless because at the end of the day, it's the message that ties everything together. It's not just four idiots playing fucking rock music. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. How do you say I've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? I think a lot, man. They help me grow every time. Taking on their stories and them taking on mine allows us to grow with each other. I genuinely feel that. I think my fan base, we grow, we're growing up together. And that's the biggest connection we have. We're in exactly the same boat. Yeah. We're fucking confused, we're scared, we don't know what the fuck's going on. But we're doing it together, and we're growing up together. Mm -hmm. Rodies have been your biggest challenges in your life so far. Getting on flights all the time, that's pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Fucking washing, doing me washing on tour. <laughs> Fuck that, that's hard. Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> Um, I don't know, man. Everything's challenging every day. Dealing with my anxiety, I have a crippling yeah. anxiety every morning in my life. But yeah, I get to deal with it because it makes me feel comfortable. Because they, those guys are the same as me. They have that anxiety too, and they deal with it. We deal with it together, you know. What does love mean to you? Love is everything to me, man. I think John Lennon nailed it when he was like, "All you need is love." Love is a thing that consumes the body. Fuck division now. Unite people. You know what I mean? That's the new mm -hmm. version of punk. Our generation, like, we're genuinely smart. We give a fuck about the world. Dividing people's over. Yeah. Uniting people's what it's about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Unite people for a great reason, for a great cause. What do you love about Halsey's personality? She's, she's mental like me. She's funny. Yeah. She's like, she cares so much about the planet. Mm. She cares so much about her fans. Yeah. She's a, she's a symbol for womanhood. She's a symbol for for equality she's a rock star man mm -hmm. like she, she we have a, a very much the same ideologies you know where no matter who you are no matter where you're from you can be yourself and in our communities that we've got together no one will judge you for that fact and almost we are pushing back against that judgment and creating families together that allow people to, when they feel suppressed, come into a space of freedom and liberation and mm -hmm. love and equality that no matter, again, who you are, where you're from, what you believe, here you're safe to be who you are without judgment. Yeah. And if someone judges you, fuck them. What kind of advice do you have for someone dealing with anxiety? As I say, man, it's hard because you never know you know, never know why you're anxious. Mm -hmm. So I've got anxiety and someone goes, why? You're mm -hmm. like, uh, well, that's not how anxiety works. I don't know. So for me, usually I just learn. If you learn to go, okay, this is happening to me. Ride it out, take deep breaths and under, don't try and fight it. Cause if you fight it or question it or try and understand why that only creates more anxiety. So just kind of let it ride out, take deep breaths and drink fuck loads of water. Last question, Last what do you want to be remembered for? I just want to be remembered for a person who curated and was part of a community in youth movement that our generation had 
our generation mm -hmm. achieved. Our generation can achieve a sense of unity in this world of so much division. And I just love to be a catalyst in that. Yeah, I love that. This is so awesome. Thank you so no, much. No, thank you. Love you. Rock and roll, oh, man. Peace. Oh. See ya. He was on the same management company. He played drums for like a bunch of well-known rock bands, like oh, wow. Funeral for a Friend and um, some other bands in the UK. He was like, cool, I'll come play drums for you guys for a little while. Um, yeah, then he came and did a few shows with us. And I think it was actually in Japan where I was like, dude, you've got to leave your band and come. Like, you've got to do this, come on. You're like part of the gang already. You've only done a <laughs> few shows. And yeah, he was like, yeah, cool, fine. So he left and then about a, a year and a half ago, my brother decided he was done, like 10 years of doing Modeset was enough for him and just left it to me and Pat to continue. So now we've kind of switched it all into a, a two piece instead of four of us. Yeah, and, what does um, your brother do? My brother was the DJ. Oh, I mean now. Oh, now. Like, what did um, he quit it for? Well, uh, he's got like a family and baby, oh. so he, I think, and also it was quite stressful, like touring 300 days a year is like, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of stress, not everyone can handle it and not everyone's really built for it. I feel like he had probably reached his, uh, his shelf life with just like that touring life. Mm -hmm. thing. Is he completely out of it or does he still help a bit with music or anything? He's out of mode step completely, yeah. yeah, he just left that to us, but I think he still does like, um, works for some other acts like tour managing and and like building stages and stuff like that whenever whenever you can. And then during that um, early time, was it really common to be live performing dubstep in the UK or? No, not at all. We were the only ones, I think like chasing status, but that was more drum yeah. and bass. But yeah, as far as like dubstep, there was us and another group called Tech One, who was just like a drummer and a DJ. And other than that, that was pretty much it. Even mm -hmm. to this day, I don't think there's that many yeah. people doing it. Cause like some, I think in previous interviews you said it, some people are not sure how it would go over in the crowd because it's not something they're expecting, like the early days of it. Yeah, it was it was a weird, weird thing, especially like you would go to like electronic music festivals and you would have to somehow fit what we do into like a, a DJ stage. So like they would already have like a DJ table built that, that couldn't be removed. So a lot of the time we'd be putting instruments in different parts of the stages and just trying to make it work. For like what we do and mm -hmm. yeah it was, it's been a big learning curve but it's cool because it means that we can go and do like rock festivals and also do electronic music festivals and kind of like receive the same way now yeah is your whole um live setup different for the two uh no we try and keep it the same oh wow. yeah we don't want to like play to the rock audience or play to the electronic audience because we feel like we're down the center enough that they'll both appreciate whatever we do what was the turning point that you realized you wanted to refine the electronic music aspect or you get more into that world? Um, it was never really like a turning point to be honest. I've always felt like that I wasn't as good as like the people that I looked up to production wise. I've always hear like a noisier tune or like a culprit tune or some of the like newer rhythm guys and just be like, how is this even happening? Like how are they doing this? So it's just like a part of my brain that I guess like competitive but also creative. I just always want to know how things are done and how things are made. So if I hear something and I don't know how it's made, that'll be me for like the rest of the week, sat with a laptop trying to work it out. Yeah. <laughs> how do you see everyone as a person compared to when you were younger? Oh, I used to be a bad kid. I used to be like, even when we first started Mode Step, like we had a bad reputation for always partying too hard. And I feel like 
when we first started this, I didn't really know much about the music industry or what I was doing or anything. I just kind of went with it. It all happened so quickly. But now I'm like, I feel like I've aged to the point where I kind of learned all, all, from all my mistakes. And now I'm doing this properly. Like I've got a really good team behind me and just, yeah, just for the first time ever, I feel like I'm not a kid doing this. I'm like an, an adult doing this. Doing the duo for like 10 years, do you ever feel like you have to cater to certain trends or how do you like stay true and stuff? Yeah. Especially in dance music, I feel like so many artists are just falling into that like trend base. For and if sure. they don't, they're like falling off too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, it's a weird balancing act. Um, I feel like changing all your music for trends is bad, but being able to fit those trends within the music you already make is what's really important. So we've, over the last few years, realized that, you know, like rhythm is more popular now, but like rhythm comes from what we came from, which is like yeah. the earlier sides of dubstep. So it wasn't too difficult to kind of find where that would fit in our music and just push it in there. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people who will just make tunes for the sake of being popular that week. And it does work. It will get them touring for like a year or two years. But if you want to be an act that tours for 10 years, probably not gonna, it's not going to work so mm -hmm. well. How would you say our music has changed compared to the early songs you made? Oh, wow. Like, totally different, I guess. Now, well, when we first started Mode Step, like, the first songs that I made were the first ever electronic music tunes that I had ever made in my life. Because up until that point, I was making like hip-hop, pop, oh, rock, wow. yeah, like typical like music that a band person would make. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, I'm like considered an electronic music producer, but I really wasn't. I had no idea what I was doing. So I basically spent the last 10 years trying to catch up to what everyone else has been doing. And I feel like the last two or three years, we've really like found our own sound and found our own kind of uh, home, especially with Disciple. The tunes in the early days were quite obviously someone who knew how to make music, but not necessarily electronic music. And I feel like the music now, it's, it's proper electronic music and also proper other music. But mm -hmm. yeah, the electronic side's definitely more refined and, and well done. I think we've got the respect of like other producers now more so than ever before. What does love mean to you? What does love mean to me? Yeah. Ah. Love is an indescribable connection between two people. It's <laughs> pretty much to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess the indescribable part makes it harder to go, like mm -hmm. talk about any further. But yeah, it's like a, a feeling that you have with two people that it doesn't even have to be two people. I guess it can be two things. Connection between two things. Yeah. <laughs> Last question: What do you want modes have to be remembered for? What do I want Mode Step to be remembered for? A live show. Hmm. I want people to, yeah, come and see us live and just realize that there's something different when you come and see us play to any other DJ or even any other live act, you know? We've been doing this for so long. This has been like, it's almost 10 years, coming up to 10 years next year of doing our live oh, wow. show. And I just feel like there's something that we, like some chemistry that we have come up with over the last 10 years that, I don't know, I don't think anyone else can really compete with. So that's what, how I would like to be remembered is like performers, more than anything else, just like 
really good performance. Yeah, I love this. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Hi, now I'm with Pat. Hi, <laughs> I'm up? the other half. <laughs> so we're in the UK. Exactly. Where are you from? Uh, London, England. Oh, like mm -hmm. in in the city. Uh, I was born in West London in a place called Ealing. Um, mm -hmm. I spent 14 years there, and then I I just sort of moved around um, because of touring and like losing jobs and getting new jobs. I just kind of always just found myself in a new place every time I came home from like a long like run of shows or something. Mm -hmm. But um, do your parents or are they doing creative stuff as uh, well? They died when I was really young, but um, but they were both. They were both like uh, somewhat like musical. Mm -hmm. My mum did dancing and like oh, a little wow. bit of singing. She wasn't very good, bless her. Um, but my dad was like a singer-songwriter, kind of had his um, had like an originals, uh, multiple originals like groups throughout mm -hmm. the years and stuff. But his main thing was like writing songs. Oh. And, and yeah. What kind of music was played when you were growing up? Um, like just rock music. Uh, I think my mum kind of like got down with like chill stuff and. Like, I, I heard like Enya, my mum used to play Enya, and that might like be nails on chalk for people, but I grew up kind of like having a soft spot for Enya. And oh, I love kind of, Enya. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm, I've probably heard Sail Away like 500 oh, times for my 10th birthday. <laughs> um, but no, my dad was like more into like, you know, ZZ Top and uh, like, like Maiden and Priest and like, got me into like, I guess like, you know, not just heavy music, but like, you know, like Eric Clapton as well, mm. and things like that, because he was a guitarist. He, he listened to a whole heap of like guitar writers and stuff, which was dope. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then at what age did you pick up your first instrument? Oh, wow. Um, well, I think for Christmas, age three, I got like, uh, like this, like, I don't know what they call it in America, but back home it's called Fisher Price. It's basically like entry level toys. Oh, for yeah. Kids. They're like, they like what you'd give to a kid if they wanted a drum to play with, but like mm -hmm. not for reals. So it was like made of like plastic, and it had like a plastic symbol with a little screw. Yeah. So when you hit it, it would kind of vibrate a little bit and sound a little bit cymbally. Um, but no, I didn't get like a real kit kit like until I was. Um, let me think about this. My parents got me. I was eight. I was eight when I got a full size like adult kit. But yeah, I kind of, I guess I started playing like around that, somewhere between three and eight, I started taking it kind of serious mm -hmm. and um, like taking some of the basics kind of like a little bit serious and then I started gigging when I was 14. Oh wow. And, and did you realize that you were going to do music for your whole life? I wanted to, but everyone said that it wasn't feasible, but I had a parent that made it kind of work. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to one up him, you know? Yeah. I, I saw my dad do so much and I was like, all right, cool. I guess if you do get really, really good, really young. I was always concerned with how how good my dad was when he was my age. So when oh. I was, let's say I was, you know, 11, talking to my father, I'd be like, you know, like, what what could you play at this age? You know, mm -hmm. like, I wanted to know if I was beating him. And that yeah. sounds really silly, but like, when you see a kid, when you're a kid and you see your old man as like, your inspiration and like a bit of a hero, you kind of just want to one-up it and stay ahead of the game. And then by the time I was, like starting to earn a little bit of money from shows. I say get well gigs at that point because they were just in bars and stuff. Yeah, I got really tired of school. School started really sucking because you know I was able to earn doing what I loved. So like the comparison was there real early for me. It was like take academia seriously and like you know because my sister went on to Oxford and oh, wow. she's a doctor and like you know there's quite a few doctors in my family and 
I'm not saying I could have been that. I'm stupid compared to, to her and, and, and my cousins and my brother even. But um, yeah, no, I I, I just kind of wanted to to, to to make shows work. That's all I cared about. So yeah, yeah, just took a big risk, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And did you like finish high school or go to college or? Oh no, I got kicked out of high, high school. school. Yeah. And then you're just doing music full time. Pretty much. I, uh, I I did enroll in college, but um, I uh, I met actually a teacher at that at that college when I was like I guess 16, and we actually started a band. Or no, rather I joined his band, mm-hmm. um, and they were like signed and stuff. So it kind of seemed like a cool way to like you know go into music. I was like, all right, this guy's already like taught me a whole bunch about like music theory and like you know I can develop as a player and as a like a musical theory head with this guy so we, we you know me and my buddy we stuck with him for a bit and uh, yeah I think it was um, when I was 17 going on 18 that was that was where it became a oh shit like we can do this let's do this because we started getting real gigs I joined oh, wow. a band called Rice Trim. well I started a band called Rice Trim with my friends and um, yeah, we, we we were getting like Download Festival and like we were touring with like Trivium and Chimera and like, you know, Whitechapel, bands that I'd literally grown up listening to. Wow. Like going to, to see live, you know, um, standing in the queues and like loving these acts. Mm-hmm. Then I was like a kid, all of a sudden I was a little bit of an older kid and I was touring with those dudes, like hanging out with them, smoking with them. So yeah, um, I kind of didn't really consider a serious career or for that for lack of a better term, like a more, you know, real job job. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, like music was there kind of early. I just stuck with it, I guess. Tried yeah. To as good as I could be. Then how did you get to per, um, be a part of the bigger bands? Like um, Josh was saying. So Rise went like, we toured for like maybe four years and, and it was real complicated, but they, they booted out my, uh, they had a meeting right before we were about to fly to the United States and tour with, um, I don't know if you know any of these bands, but it was Machine Head, mm-hmm. um, Suicide Silence, and Darkest Hour. Um, and this was maybe like 2011, this is going back. So I'm, I would have been about 20, 21, um, 21 I think. <clears throat> and they decided right before we, like the first show was in Denver, like on like the 23rd or something. And this was like literally the 21st of the month. This yeah. was right before we like went to the airport. And they like kicked out my best mate out of the band. Oh, so wow. yeah, it was real like brutal. We were sat there in a Starbucks in central London we signed to EMI, and this story has never been told, ever. I didn't tweet this, I didn't say shit. I just, this was heartbreaking stuff. Mm-hmm. So they kicked out my best buddy, who, like, I, we wrote this this album together as five people, you know? Me and Joe, like, genuinely kicked this this live act into the next, like, league. You know, we were, we, we were no longer like a kiddie act. We were, like, serious. We, had, we were selling tickets. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we did it as five people, and they booted out one of the members as like three people. I didn't yeah. even know about it. So I left the band like later that day. Like I drafted an email and just like walked. <laughs> so I went back to work actually for like two, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I got real sick of working and, and it was kind of great timing because my phone rang and like it was some friends of mine from Wales and they were like, hey, do you want to audition for our band? And I was like, oh yeah, cool. I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't think I'd get the gig. I just thought, lol, you know, okay, I'll audition. So I kind of hopped out of bed and learned a whole bunch of their, like, albums um, and went down to Wales and auditioned for Funeral for Friends. Yeah. And then got that gig, and then that's kind of how that started. 
Mm-hmm. And so, how long were you with them? Like four years. Wow. Um, right until like they they they're not going anymore. They they ended mm-hmm. it like a couple of years back. But we, I did the last um the last bunch of records with them. So it was great to like record and write albums with like a band I definitely like. Yeah. To, what was know? it like just being drummer for the other bands to so, like a lot of the producing and songwriting? Um. Yeah, like mega different, mega different. Like my whole my whole life, I've sort of had to relearn how to not just adapt around different like people or be around different people, but learn how to like play my instrument in a way that is kind of like a new kind of style almost. Every like the last few years, been so one band and then another band, and then mm-hmm. joining Mode Step from Funeral was the biggest transition ever because it was like okay, there's not like the traditional kind of four or five guys in a room writing songs with their instruments and like bouncing off of each other. It's more like, you know, you talk about where a song goes, you talk about a vibe and we sort of used to sit down and watch Josh do his magic and like throw throw pointers in and like, you know, like, oh, that could go on for a bit longer. But Josh has always been like the wizard and he's, he's always been the guy that just sort of sits there and, you know, like he will leave you on red for five days. <laughs> you know, but that's completely fine because he'll he'll send this Dropbox link at the end of it. He's like, yeah, I made some tweaks, man. So it's a totally new way of working, and the live show is a totally new way of working as well. Um, just being on like triggers and, and 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 having our live show work the way it does, and like it's super unique with the way that like we put drums over the songs. Like a lot of people haven't really like in the, you know in the EDM circuit that I've seen, a lot of people have different live acts and mm-hmm. different ways of like exploring the live medium i think ours is the most real yeah it's the most like open to error it's the most um you need your wits on the day really mm-hmm. you need to put on a live show and if and, and, and if we fuck up then it sounds like ass and I, I can't even say that any other way I, tr- I tried to think of a way i could make that sound like less crude <laughs> but if you if if you know, it's like, it's as simple as this. There's no like backing track for like the drums, for the vocals. Like if we miss something, if we, if Josh sings the wrong lyric or like cues the wrong thing, mm-hmm. I'm playing a different song. Like yeah. I'm going into that song that's in my ears and that's just like, boom, catastrophe. So we need to be like so locked in mm. for 60 minutes, 75 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever the set length is. It's like focus, focus, focus. Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, that was different because more time with rock bands and metal bands and stuff, it's just like you sit on a click a metronome and your pad or like you warm up for a little bit and you boom you go on and do the same show you did the night before mode steps not like that it's like every show it's kind of the same but the vibe will be vastly different from show mm-hmm. to show to show there'll always be something new that one of us does or says mm-hmm. and just changes the whole thing really so i kind of like that we can we can walk out there's two of us now so you know we can walk out and it's just, it's just us we bounce off of each other and it's usually like a really fucking mm. sick vibe, you know? Yeah. But it is real, like the, 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 the fact of like, you know, if I miss a pad or if my pad miss triggers, everyone stops dancing. Yeah. Like, and that's a seriously like sobering thing. Mm-hmm. You'll be playing to 10,000 people, you know, more, more. Mm-hmm. And it's a great haze to see like, you know, them bouncing at 150 and then all of a sudden they stop because your stick breaks in half. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh shit. And like you miss three more snares after that, mm-hmm. and people are kind of like, you know what the crowds are like. Yeah. Like, alrighty, cool, they fucked it, and it's like it's you know it's it's harsh, and you got to bring it back and reel it in, and yeah, it's it's a fun live show. It's definitely mm-hmm. rewarding when you get a good one. How much of the electronic music scene did you know before you joined it? I would say more than the average guy. Um, like. 
believe it or not, the, the whole metal and dubstep world, yeah. as far as I was concerned, was was pretty kind of one in the same. Um, like obviously he had like Skrillex, and when he was in from first to last, like that whole kind of transition from like rock to dubstep was, you know, the first big one. But I think a lot of people, especially that I've met along the years, like um, James Funkcase, for example, like. I remember the very first day I met him, he was like, do you know how to play uh, Entombment of a Machine by Job for a Cowboy on the drums? And I was like, uh, yeah, probably, man. Like, uh, I think, <laughs> you know, probably it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be a while. Maybe I'll warm up, but yeah, we'll get there. And he's like, yeah, that's my favorite song to play in Knee Deep as well. Kid sat down and started playing Knee Deep straight away. Fun Case was like bad boy drummer. Like, yeah. and I was like, I met a few other people like Borgo, Asaf, he's bad boy drummer. Josh Flux, bad boy drummer. Like you got all these people that were like, into metal, you know, mm -hmm. and then I, I think back in the day, Schism dropped Experts, and I was one of the only people in my little friend circle of like bass heads that knew what the speech was, what was from, you know, you know, when he's like, you know, what the fucking experts are trying to tell you, all that stuff, like that's mm -hmm. from a Pantera gig at Red Square, you know, that's oh, wow. from that's from uh, before he goes into uh, what's the song fucking hostile I think mm -hmm. so just before they count that number off he does this big ass speech about fuck the experts and like yeah that, I mean I don't know I just think I've always seen metal and like especially like you know before rhythm kind of popped over here like there was a lot more like direct comparison there's a lot more guitar and dubstep mm -hmm. um, so yeah there's always been like that I just see it as like you replace the electronic guitars with wavetables yeah. And that's kind of, you know, drums have always been like razor sharp and precise and, and super heavy in metal, and they are in dubstep, so, I mean, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I see a lot of the comparisons, like if there was a Venn diagram with dubstep or like rhythm and then like metal, I, th I think like so many of them would be right in the middle. Yeah. You know, little vagina shaped <laughs> uh, chasm. <laughs> and then, how did you first meet Disciple? How did I first meet Disciple? Well, it was on Skype actually. I knew I knew about Dodger Fusky's music and stuff, but I'd never met Rob. Never met anybody that I hadn't like kind of done shows with over on Europe before we moved out here. So um, I think it was yeah, Rob and me and Josh and Rossi, who's Myro, um, our manager. We had like a four-way window on Skype. I'd never mm -hmm. done one before. It was really nerve-wracking. <laughs> I was sat there just like, don't know what to say trying to make a joke but like they might take it wrong because like one of them I'd never met and one of them yeah. I'd met like once before so um yeah we, we spoke about maybe like the possibility of coming out here and doing some stuff and like it all it all rolled from there basically mm -hmm. like kind of got here and we realized there was a bunch of like UK kids putting in the work so it was a it was a really nice kind of vibe you know and then how did it click to you that you wanted to be with them like after that I'll be honest um my role, so Rossi he he manages like our, our like act. He manages a whole bunch of acts like um, Barely Alive and Virtual. Mm -hmm. and, but he, he like he he he's half of the label as well, or a third even I should say. And he he does like sort of two jobs. So kind of he introduced us to the label side of things. And then like when we worked with him as as like you know as manager or him as our manager, that was kind of when we were like, yeah, we're in good hands, man. Like <laughs> we've been through a lot of tricky situations a lot of sticky ones and you know when you're our age Josh is 31 I'm 28 we're not like kids you know so when you've been like in a few management situations or a few label situations or anything like that and they haven't gone the way you initially planned 
meeting someone like Rossi seems a bit too good to be true. Mm. You know, and like the whole disciple crew, all these videos, you were like, right, they all look like real posy and everyone's real happy, but is it like that? And and that was kind of our initial like concern, or at least it was mine. Um, and yeah, no, it really is. Like there is a great, great vibe and being a small label in a small kind of genre, it's like it's easy to maintain that really good vibe. Yeah. And that's what it is really. It's just a really good family vibe and everyone looks out for everyone. There's no bitchiness. Like everyone's supporting mm. everyone's music. Someone has a release and it's bumped on everyone's pages and that's great. Yeah. And it's not a it's not a guy in the office doing it, it's us, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that that is something that, that'll always kinda make people like me and Josh, you know, wanna like gravitate towards that. It's just like sweet man. Mm-hmm. actual real people being really nice to each other and it's refreshing it's like yeah. you want to make music and send it to someone who you flip and respect and have them get right back to you and like you know send send their shit and like you know it's just really nice nothing's contrived or fake it's just it's real it's, it's like it's rare it's a unique thing that they've got and they've worked like five years to get that yeah so, yeah big up disciple crew does it feel a bit different because you've been in like bands and doing drums for your whole life and now maybe you categorize under more of like a EDM producer or...? Uh, no, not, not particularly. So I'm um, yeah. like, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't champion my production skills. I suck. I'm pretty deaf. You know? mm-hmm. um, I've, I've done like thousands of shows in my life. Um, I wouldn't... I think I did a hearing test recently and I struggled to hear over 10.5k. So oh my gosh. I'm like... I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm heading for a hearing aid before I'm like 35, so I wouldn't like jump in the producer seat and want to make a banger straight away. But like in in terms of like songwriting, I still enjoy like putting together a, a, a piece of work. That being said, Josh has worked on everything in the last two EPs, mm-hmm. the one that we just dropped, Echoes, and this new one. He's basically just been whipping them up, yeah. fucking quick. Like I think he did this last one in one week, <laughs> but like. The, the, the bulk of the work, I, like, you know, in one day, I'm pretty sure he sent me over two almost finished songs kind of from that EP that are both on the EP. So he's kind of on fire at the moment. Um, as far as, like, my contribution, like, so I've got a sample pack coming out with Virtual Riot mm-hmm. um, for, like, just, just drums, like, yeah. exclusively, like, rhythm and dubstep drums. It's got a cool name, um, and I'm going to put it all on, like, line very soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but if it's sometime soon, it'll probably be dropping at the same sort of time. So yeah, um, yeah. In the next month anyway. Mm-hmm. So that'll be all. That'll be all available for everyone to sort of uh, grab off uh, off the internet when it's all dropped. There'll be a link to everything, and yeah, hopefully uh, everyone starts using my shit and yeah. their songs because that's kind of what I like. You know, I, I, I like. I think drums are such a massive part of dubstep or any EDM genre for that matter, or any genre of music. So like, if I can make as many six sample packs as I can make for different like things, like a future bass one with future bass fills and you know drum and bass ones with drum and bass breaks and just keep doing that, that's kind of my contribution. That's where I want to aim to be in the next few years is just like keeping Josh laced with like drum pa- uh, you know drum samples and stuff that he can use in, in, in the music mm-hmm. he makes. Because it kind of makes everyone's life easier when there's real good stuff to just drag and drop, you know? That's kind of the the new the new way of making tunes. I mm-hmm. think if you're sat there like programming all day long, it kind of gets super boring when you're trying to put down an idea. So that's yeah. kind of that's my thing. I want to get like new and creative drum loops in the mix and make dubstep a bit more dynamic and fun and live and real. That's my aim. That's my goal. Yeah. Yep. Day to day, if he's doing more of the producing, are you more? Of, do you do more of the the live, like live performance, like getting into that, or day to day? How do your roles so, uh, differ? So we 
like well we do shows together yeah we prepare for shows together so that side of it's kind of uh kind of normal it's mm -hmm. more just like josh will have a lot of times in the diary when we're not touring there's no shows and it might be like two weeks or even like five days in between shows and it'll just be like block booked out with like ep production so he'll know exactly how long he has and the deadline will be in that month at some point and he'll just have maybe like two block book weeks to work on it mm -hmm. and that's kind of how that works now normally we used to write as you know when we were four people there'd be four people in a room but like i said josh is uh since he's been like in la since we moved over here i think just hanging around hanging around with a whole bunch of people on disciple it's like they almost treat music production like a game it's 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 like you know like let me see your new ids like you know and people go go home and whip up two or three new ones it's um it's just like the, the speed at which people are making like really sick playable music has just gone tenfold in the last few years so now that josh is kind of like on that it's yeah it's like you know if you, if you blink you might miss a tune Mm -hmm. um, I know we made a drum and bass one last night. I saw him tweet about it. So, <laughs> you know, but that's mm -hmm. that's the nature of it. When when inspira inspiration is 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 kind of striking, you got to go with it. What does success mean to Modestep? Oh, that's a very difficult question. To be honest, I'm, I'm I'm fairly certain we can consider ourselves successful. The amount of stuff we've come kind of come through, mm -hmm. um, and we're still an act. You know, it's been almost ten years for for Josh um, and six for me. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I'd say, I'd say what is success? Will you ever know if you're killing it at the time? Probably, probably not. You'll probably look back after six months or a year and be like, holy fuck, man, that summer festival season killed it. But, yeah. you know, you won't know until you're on your headlining dates playing to, you know, an, an eighth of that many people. You won't know until, you know, you feel it. You know, there's certain sobering things in, in, in the music industry that will kind of make you feel like unsuccessful and there's ones that will make you feel like you're a king, so. Mm -hmm. You just gotta fake the rough with this move. Yeah, we have. I'd say we're successful. Yeah. Right? And, and like stupidly lucky to be able to do it. Dubstep took a dip, and like our own country, where where it's from, wouldn't play it on the radio. You know, it, it was getting no love. So, for for Josh to have kind of kept playing dubstep, even in all of that climate, mm. you know, he, you know, when you could have been playing house and other things. You know, and I'm not naming names, I'm not chatting shit, I'm just saying, like, there's a certain amount to be said for acts that don't, you know, stray too far from the path of the cause. So, like, I always say the same band comes back to them every time, but Iron Maiden have done the same record for, like, 35 years. It's always the same branding, it's the same type of tunes, it's, it's like, that's why they're, they're still relevant, and they're still big today, and still selling sh shows out, because... You know they've given their fan base exactly what they want so once you have a fan base which most of have it's really important to not alienate them or push them away and give them stuff that they they don't want or or, or are interested in you know, yeah you, you know but at the same time as playing to like the people that make you a band you got to keep yourself happy and mm -hmm. fulfilled so it's it's a balance yeah it's i love balance. this yeah thank you so much no worries, no worries. <laughs> bye